1: and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to The Haunted Estate. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this magical show, which is called The Haunted Estate. See, I love doing that thing in the beginning, but I know it doesn't make me sound professional, but I enjoy it, and you enjoy it, and that's all that, like, really matters, right? I tried to sound very Valley right there. Did I do a good job? I'm kind of the opposite. I do have brown hair, though. It is no longer a funky color, which does make me very mainstream. Anyways, tonight on The Haunted Estate, we are going to talk about some haunted paintings, some haunted asylums, your stories, my stories, and everything in between tonight on The Haunted Estate. Call us toll-free and tell us your story. one 877 260 34 2-8 Yes, my friend, that number is for you to call. Toll free. Tell me your story. Tell me your mom's story. Tell me some local folklore. Make up a story. Short story from school. I don't care. I want to hear it. And you know who else wants to hear it? The listeners. Because I bet they're sick of me trying to find things I am. But I love it because I love doing this for you guys and for me. I never listen back to my episodes, but I feel like every episode I have a learning experience which helps me go forward in my abilities my love and the hunt for anything paranormal so let's start with something fun we are going to talk about five paintings that you should never hang on your wall number one the anguished by unknown sean robinson has always been curious about the strange painting his grandmother owned He had discovered it as a boy while exploring in the basement, hidden from view by layers and layers of old, unused curtains. She told him it frightened her, saying that while she didn't know the artist's names, she had been told that the artist had mixed their own blood with the paint just before committing suicide. After her death, the painting was given to Sean, who hung it on the wall of his family home. Soon after, strange occurrences began to happen. Unexplainable fogs began to appear in the house. Strange banging noises that could be heard from empty rooms. And one night, Sean woke fi- woke to find a dark figure looming over his bed. He had had enough. The English man was taken to the basement, where it remains to this day. Hidden from blankets, hidden under blankets from view. This picture is terrifying. You can see it. All links for any articles or any information that I use will be found on thehauntedestate.com or if it's easier to remember, theparanormalpodcast.com. It has like a blue background and a screaming face. Definitely a terrifying picture. Next, number two, we have The Crying Boy by Giovanni Bregolin. If you want to get your hands on a cursed painting, you're in luck. You can actually find copies of Bruno Amados, The Crying Boy Print, for one of its many spin offs on eBay. After the end of the Second World War, Bragolin began painting portraits of Italian orphans crying as souvenirs for tourists. After time, his mass produced prints of his paintings became increasingly popular in England. That is, until the 1980s when some people began to say the printings were cursed the sun newspaper reported that over 50 house fires that the bo- the crying boy prints were the only items to survive in the fire in one case firefighters found a print still in its frame face down on the floor completely untouched by the flames that had destroyed the rest of the house. Sounds strange? Well, according to numerous psychics, the prints are haunted by the orphans who died in the war. The misery, the despair continuing to haunt the paintings long after their deaths, and it is a very sad little toddler crying. Number three. Love Letters by Richard King. This picture is of a cute little redhead girl holding a bouquet in a dress with a very sneaky smile on her face. The Drusick Hotel in Austin, Texas is famous for its haunted reputation and is a regular stop-off for paranormal tourists from around the world. One of the most infamous ghost stories connected to the hotel is that of Samantha, Samantha Houston, Houston, who whose 4-year-old who was a 4-year-old. Oh wow, Selena, let's do this. Whew who is the four-year-old daughter of a U.S. senator. During her stay at the hotel, Samantha tragically fell to her death while chasing a ball down the staircase. The painting, Love Letters, which does not actually depict Samantha, but is instead of another little girl, is said to be haunted by the spirit. Sightings of the little girl with the ball have been seen throughout the hotel. Staff and guests regularly report that the painting has made them feel dizzy, nauseous, while others have experienced a sensation like being lifted into the air while standing in front of it. Some even claim that the painting is trying to commune with them, communicate with them, believing that if you stand in front of it for long enough, the little girl's expression will change. The Dead Mother by Edvard Munch and this is this is just sad it's a little kid covering its ears with a blue woman in bed while many of you will be more familiar with edvard munch's haunting painting the scream it's actually there's another painting of his titled dead mother which depicts a horrified young girl standing in front of her mother's body in bed that people believe is actually haunted people who have viewed the painting find it unsettling they claim that wide eyes of the young girl followed them incessantly. Others even say that they have heard the bench sheets of the woman rustle. Number five, this is one I'm sure that a lot of people have heard or seen. It is terrifying. I find it terrifying, always have. It is a picture of a boy standing in front of a door with like those square glass panes. There's hands all over the windows and a very creepy doll. And he is kind of um, He has a face, but it really doesn't show any personality. In 1972, artist Bill Stoneham painted the now infamous The Hands Resist Him, inspired by a childhood photograph of himself and his wife's poetry. He gave the painting to his local art gallery to be split, to be displayed and was purchased in 1974 by a private buyer. Over a decade later, the gallery's owner... The buyer and the critic who first wrote about the painting had all died. Quite the coincidence, right? That's not the half of it. After the death of the original owner, the painting changed ownership a couple of times until it was finally put up for sale on eBay. And that's when its true haunted nature was revealed. The family selling the painting claimed that it was haunting one of their daughters. The young girl would be woken in the middle of the night by the boy and the doll coming to life, crawling out of the painting. Some eBay said that it was merely a viewing, it caused, it was merely viewing it that caused them to become physically ill and suffer blackouts. Undeterred by the strange stories, gallery owner Kim Smith purchased the painting for $1,025. It now resides in the gallery storage space, hidden from view of unsuspecting art lovers. That's terrifying. Could you imagine seeing someone crawl out of a painting, the ring style towards you? How about nope. Now let's shuffle on over and hear some ghost stories from abandoned psychiatric hospitals. We all know when you think paranormal, the first thing you think of is something like a sanatorium or, you know, a psychiatric ward or some kind of hospital or some kind of creepy mansion, so we got to throw some of that in there, don't we? So number one, the old operating room. Abandoned hospital in my town is very active. It was also used in the movie Boneyard. When they blew the hospital up in the movie, apparently they actually burned some of it. So they abandoned it completely. It still has its tables, desks, chairs, boxes, files. Not sure if half the sightings are just squatters or paranormal, but a friend of mine and I snuck in. We saw a series of lights turning on and off in the operating room. The light turned off. We panicked and we ran out. They also had old batteries everywhere, and our batteries and our cameras were drained by the time we left. We also had a coworker who worked at the renovated sanatorium turned free farm. The basement had screams and grabbings. Still, there was an attendance board where all the old nurses would sign in and offer duty, even though there wasn't any chalk.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot That
1: was a terribly written story. I should reread these before I do them. Anyways, number two. I'm a nurse that worked in a psychiatric hospital for five years. That place was haunted. Police would call us in the middle of the night saying that some little girl who identified herself as Santana was calling 911 from a certain extension in the hospital. What extension? The arts and craft room. Nobody goes there at night. Nobody, I assure you. Yet there's obviously something in there, and it calls 911 a lot. Lots of other stories from that place, but that's definitely the craziest and the creepiest. Number three, the power was still on. When I was a teenager, 20-plus years ago, my friends and I trespassed on a condemned insane asylum called Eloise in southwestern Michigan. The worst thing was that it was night and we had shitty flashlights, the dirty patient records scattered on the floor, the broken furniture, the torn up walls, the leaking water pipes, or the huge fungal bloom from the leaking water. The worst part was finding a tunnel and following it to a place inside where the power was still on. There was a light, an ominous looking double doors, and an active security camera. I was like, "What is this? what is going on? Why is this here?" Later on, I found out that the asylum and nearby hospital were connected. However, the Wikipedia page says it closed in one thousand nine hundred and eighty four but it was still seven it was only several years after that. I think I saved one of the patient records number four, the footsteps above. I was the night watchman at an abandoned mental hospital turned skate park for a summer in college. The only creepy thing that happened was one night. I was with one of the state police and we saw flashlights in one of the buildings. Kids constantly broke in and other people broke in to cut the building of any copper they could find. So, as I was saying, one night we saw flashlights moving around, so we went in. The officer pulled her gun and a flashlight and we went in. We could hear footsteps on the floor above us, and we slowly and quietly went upstairs. We checked every room and found nothing. Then we heard footsteps above us again. This happened for a few floors until we were at the top. We heard footsteps on the roof also, so we went up there. Still nothing. We never found anyone or anything or any indication that anyone had ever been there. It's friggin' creepy. Number five, things moved in the night. There is this abandoned mental hospital in my town called Prudhoe Hospital, which is sort of a scary place. It's surrounded by woods, and obviously you hear lots about it. You would hear lots of story of, of people saying why it was abandoned, and spooky things come from it when it was still in service. My mom worked at it as an auxiliary nurse there for years, and she said... That at night, the crippled kids who couldn't move due to severe diseases and birth defects would somehow get out of their cribs and into the middle of the floors of the wards. Whatever was doing it would also go around and remove blankets from the patients. Again, pile them in the middle of the room. Eventually, security was hired, believing it was someone getting into the hospital at night and doing all these things to scare people, just to be trouble. However, even with the security, they never found out who was doing it. Number six, the praying nun. My dad worked at a mental hospital that used to be connected to an abandoned nun's home by Underground Passage. He says that one night he was walking down there when he saw a praying nun. He walked by her and said hello. She did not acknowledge him. My dad does not believe in ghosts, but he said that there was a nun down there, and she wasn't real. Number seven, the seance. I had a guy that I work with. He used to be a hospital's wardsman. He was telling me about a night where a few of the young nurses and some of the other wardsmen were going to hang out late one night and conduct a seance in one of the older, unused wards. Anyway, he agreed to do it one night. He didn't believe a word of it, but took part for fun. He said they called through. There was a spirit who identified himself as Nigel. Nigel, (laughs) that's an amazing name, and when they asked if he was good or evil, the planchette flicked straight to evil. At this stage, my mate assumed that people were pushing it and just laughed it off. After some more unintelligible responses, the planchette started going ballistic, flicking from one letter to the next. Somebody asked the scribe what they were saying, and the guy said, I can't make it out. Er, um, hang on, it's saying, kill baby Cassie, kill baby Cassie, kill. It was saying Cassie killed baby. One of the female nurses ran screaming. She had absolutely lost it. One of the girls running to help her. Turns out this girl's name was Cassie. And she had had a secret abortion two weeks prior, not telling anyone about the pregnancy, not even her boyfriend. Number eight, the late night walk. "'A few years ago, my cousin and his friends "'were walking in the woods outside of Frederick "'and found an old, abandoned, insane asylum. "'It was all boarded up, grown over, dark and dusty. "'It looked like it was out of a movie. "'Obviously, my cousin and his friends broke in "'and took a look around. "'The first room they went into was full of file cabinets "'holding records of all the patients that used to be there. "'They found a bunch of really creepy-ass pictures.' Another room was nothing but concrete with drains on the floors. The walls had chains attached to them. And in the center of the room was a table that had what looked like torture tools and beating sticks. Other than that, they didn't really see anything. But they claimed to have heard talking, footsteps, and demented giggling. Number 9. The Little Boy I work night shift as a CNA in a hospital. I had a patient last year. He was in his 50s, totally with it. I had him for a week and two, and he never showed signs of confusion at night or otherwise. He liked to keep his door open at all times, and he was in a room close to the nurse's station. So he saw me, myself, plenty of other staff walk by throughout the night. One night, around 2.30 in the morning, he sees me walking by and calls me into his room. "'Is that your son or something?' "'Who?' I asked. "'The little boy that's been following you all night.' I proceeded to ask what he looked like because I couldn't see him. He said he looked to be about seven years old with short, short dark hair and a baseball cap. Both of us were freaked out about the situation. He requested to keep his lights on after that. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. 10. What was running around with us at that asylum? I love anything that'll get my heart pumping and the adrenaline flowing. From extreme sports to urban exploration, I've almost done it all. But there was this one time when I really considered my beliefs as an atheist. I reckon that ghosts and spirits cannot possibly exist due to the lack of physical evidence. But one night, God really had my mind going. <clears throat> I was about 16 years old. I'm old now. I lived in Topeka, Kansas. Now, some of you will know that I'll, what I'll be talking about already, but for those of you who don't, keep reading. I was a keen urban explorer. There was just something thrilling about breaking into abandoned buildings and exploring them. I had always known about the Topeka State Hospital due to the numerous haunted stories around it, but I'd never really thought about exploring it. My friend and I, Reese, were also avid urban explorer, and one night suggested to me that we go and check it out at night. Not believing in ghosts or any scary stories as such, I instantly agreed to go. We got our bags ready, and with our torches and phones and a snack or two, you have to travel light, we waited for sunset. On arriving, it was already pitch black. There were no lights, and the place had been closed since 1990. So we flipped our torches and crunched our way up the gravel to the front entrance. It was locked as we expected, so we made our way around the bricked exterior. Looking for a way in. About halfway around, we came across a boarded up window. I offered Reese a parting glance and a slight nod of his head. It indicated that we were thinking the same thing. I braced my shoulder and bashed the window. The sound echoed around the empty halls and the surrounding forest for what seemed like ages. The second bash proved successful as the wood splintered and fell to the ground with a large bang. Reese whispered in my ear. Honestly, as no. if nobody comes after us, then we're safe. I climbed through the small gap before lending a hand to Reese to do the same. Once we were inside, we flipped on our torches, <clears throat> where we were met with a view of peeling wallpaper and a heavy, musty smell. We quenched our way through the first room, just enjoying the rush of adrenaline as we tiptoed our way through the halls. We heard footsteps and running in a room above us. Immediately, my heart skipped a beat, I glanced at Reese, who put his finger up to his lips, indicating that we should turn our torches off. In the pitch black, I must admit, I started getting scared. But I carried on, and we made our way to the second floor to see what was with us. After three minutes of looking, we turned up empty. But we're about to leave when we heard more footsteps running. And this time, we were sure that we weren't just hearing things. "'as a rain of dust fell from the room. "'We immediately thought we were being pranked, "'so we ran up to the third floor "'and hoped to catch this person. "'But once again, it turned off empty. "'We had had enough and just started going down "'when we heard a creak from above. "'This was it, our chance. "'We sprinted up, barged through the door, "'and ended up on the roof of the asylum. "'Empty. "'Just then we heard a door being slammed "'from the floor beneath us "'and some guttural whispering noise.' I can't tell you how fast we got out of there, but I can tell you that we probably ran faster than if we were to get chased by the police. To this day, I still have no idea what was running around us in that asylum. I'd like to believe that it was some bad prank, but I have this nagging feeling that it was indeed a ghost. Number 11. She was right behind me. A friend of mine was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, "'and was so upset with it that she made a suicide attempt. "'She landed herself in a mental health wing of a big hospital. "'So I went to visit her one evening "'and had a hell of a time finding the right place. "'I felt like I'd walk through miles of increasingly decrepit hospital "'before I found the right wing.' I went through a set of double doors and found myself staring down a dimly lit hallway with an incredibly creepy weathered-looking old lady in a host coat standing in the middle of it. I walked down the hallway nervously, not taking my eyes off the old woman. She didn't take her eyes off me either. I flinched as I walked by her, but she didn't move. Ten feet beyond her was the doorway to the waiting room of the ward that I was looking for. I breathed a sigh of relief as I reached the doors and glanced over my fold, over my shoulder to see if the woman had moved. She was right behind me, staring into my face. I don't know how she managed to silently cover 10 feet as fast as I had, but she did. Number 12. The Night Shift. A few years back, prior to Sworn Leo, I worked as a security guard at a hospital. Sounds cool, and it was, except for the fact that it was 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. I worked alone, and the hospital I guarded was abandoned. A year prior, the hospital built a brand new facility to replace the five-story tall 1900s building. When the employees and patients left, they left everything in place. It looked like the people just disappeared in a hurry. Partially full coffee mugs, uniforms hanging on coat racks, wheelchairs in the halls, everything as it was, with a good coating of dust. I was always a third-shift kind of person. I don't get night jitters or scare easily, but this place could do it to the best of them. Every night I would walk or even ride a wheelchair through the halls that were supposed to be empty, unused. Every night I would end up having to close the doors and relock them. I would walk one floor, move up to the next, and continue on. I got a little shaky when one hour after already walking the hallways, I had turned off the same hall lights and closed the same doors again. Or I would be walking the hall and I would hear footsteps on the floor above me. Doors opening and closing, elevators moving from floor to floor, phones ringing, nurse call lights going on, etc. There were only three times that I got the I hate this shit feeling. First time, I was checking offices on the, s- on the fourth floor when there was a light in a locked hallway. No surprise. This hallway's hadn't been renovated since the place was built. Short of electricity, so everything from the 1920s. Unlocked the door, flipped the lights, walked out, relocked the door, turned to leave. Behind me, I hear the flip of a light switch. Through the frosted glass, I see the lights went back on. I left the hallway alone that night. Second time, I was riding an elevator between floors. I was taking the the elevator up to the top floor when, at about four or number five, I hear laughing and muffled talking. It kept getting louder as I got higher. The elevator makes it to number five. Doors swing open in absolute silence. Of course, every light was on on the floor and even in the patient's rooms. I checked high and low. Not a single living, breathing person in that place, except for me. Third and worst of all, it was just an average night. I was on the lower level, locking a door in the corridor. The door had a glass middle, but on the back side it was covered by white tape. The room it led to was dark, and the hallway a few feet behind me was partially lit. So the glass acted like a perfect mirror. Everything normal. Key in locks, clicks turning key. When behind me, I see the full outline of a person walk past me in the hallway. Clear as day, just as a full shadow of a person walked past. I fr- froze for only a second and ran into the hall to the supposed person. No one, just silence. Awesome gig, but after a year, it felt like I should have needed an exorcist with all this stuff happening. The other guards that worked on days opposite mine had the same stuff happen, except they always saw nuns walking into rooms just outside of an old uh, rectory chapel on the third floor. Better nuns than something else, I guess. Number 13. The Ambulance One fall afternoon, a buddy of mine and I decided to visit a massive abandoned mental hospital to take some photos. We were, t- we were talking 11 wards and two floors and a basement all connected from ward to ward. It in total must be 200 to 300 linear yards of winding connecting, connecting hallways on each floor. You get in and see an open cell after cell after cell, peeling paint, graffiti all over the walls. We check the basement, walk through the majority of the wards, and now we're at ward 8. We got there early in the afternoon, maybe around two or three, because we were too pansy to go out at night. Mind you, we've heard that there's cult gatherings and that people have been known to stumble across the occasional hobo on their visits. So we came to quip with a couple of Kershaws, praying not to get into some knife fight. But, shit, it's better to have one than not, right? So, more day. We're in the connecting hallway with a couple of wired-off windows that can be seen and my buddy says, yo, get away from the window. We look outside and there's an ambulance. No lights on, creeping slowly around the hospital. It must have been going about five miles per hour. So, we thought, damn it, if there's an ambulance, there must be a cop somewhere. Bad logic, I know, but we were worried about being busted for trespassing. The ambulance disappears from our line of sight, from the windows, and must have driven all the way around to the other wards. At the same pace, because a minute or so later, we see the ambulance pass right alongside the hallway window we were standing in, still creeping. Thank God, the ambulance drives away. So we think, okay, that's just a scare. There's no cops around. Just keep going. We slowly advance th- another three or so minutes. We come across a huge lobby, probably the cafeteria, and start taking a couple shots of the collapsing ceiling. We walk a bit further into the cafeteria and see the windows again. We see the ambulance again, creeping just like last time, along the perimeter of the building. We hide from the windows, hoping we aren't seen as the cafeteria is full of windows to the exterior. This time, we start to freak out. He disappears from our line of view again, and of course, comes around the other side of the building, circling it like last time, five miles per hour like last time. This time, however, he doesn't go to leave the complex. He drives up to Ward 11, the last ward parks in a cove with no exit, and that was right out of our line of sight. We hear the doors open and close, another door open and close. We were able to tell that there was only one person in the ambulance from the first time we had sighted it. What was going on? Was this guy here to shoot up? Seems like a bad place for a trip. He was here for some kind of drug deal or back to play with us because he saw us on his last ride around? We stay put, and at this point, we're maybe 50 yards from Ward 11, 100 or 200 yards from the nearest exit. I know of no other exits except for the ones at each end. Trying to be as quiet as possible, we begin to hear footsteps on the floor above us. Second later, the footsteps turn into running towards us. Nope! We instantly got out our knives and began to book it out of there. The fastest 200-yard dash I have ever done to this day. We finally reach the exit and we're finally safe. We continue to book it a ways out of the hospital till we're on the path that gets us back to our car. On the way back to the little lot with my buddy's car, we see a truck. One of those Ford Ranger, Ranger types parked next to my buddy's car. We get maybe 50 yards away from it. When the car turns on, and starts driving down the, wards to, the road towards us. The car is, has a middle-aged man. He looked really sketchy. He drives past us and saw us both. I never got a shot of the ambulance as I was too scared to go near the windows and my flash would go off. But I did get a shot of the ranger in the parking lot. What were these guys doing there? An ambulance? I'd love to know what you guys think. All right, so that is the end of that article. All articles used on every episode will be found at com. that is all for tonight thank you so
0: much and don't forget to share us with your friends Darling, it sounds like you did. Anyways, that
1: concludes this episode of The Haunted Estate. I hope you tune in for all our stories because we love you and hope that you love us. And um, by us, I mean me. Um, I will see you all soon and I hope you are having a spooktacular weekend.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well.